Hello, and welcome to episode 19 of the Coin Press Podcast. I'm Luke Willis. Today, I am joined again by Jonathan Stark. Welcome back, Jonathan. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So if you're new to the podcast, uh, Jonathan was here back in episode nine. I'll include a link to that episode below uh, where we talked about opportunities on blockchain, uh, generally about you know what opportunities are created by blockchain tech, more you know the tech side than the, the asset of cryptocurrencies, how Jonathan thinks about value, running businesses in a decentralized environment, etc. Um, so today, uh, let's just kind of revisit the, the starting talking point from last time. Why are you interested in blockchain now? And are there any updates to you know how you see this? Is it still kind of niche technology? Or do you see uh, opportunities for people to ditch hourly and uh, build a business here? Uh, I wouldn't say I've changed too much. I've continued to investigate and try and understand what the possible applications are for folks like I would normally serve in my audience. And it feels like um, there, especially with like uh, authorities, regardless of if it's tech or, or whatever, um, it would be very interesting for people who have some sort of audience or membership community uh, to have, a portable kind of membership that's not that's not trapped inside of circle or mighty networks or facebook or linkedin groups or and and that the that the um and that might make sense to have an nft or a coin or something that sure. would automatically would be something that would uh, have value unto itself and would allow something I've never seen anywhere else. I can't even think of in the real world or, or any other online environment where you can basically sell your ticket. Yeah. You know, right. So like even after using it, so like as a membership into a group, you could actually sell it. And I suppose you could kind of, if you wanted to support that kind of functionality, you don't need blockchain to do it, I suppose. But the, um, the idea of having a a community outside of yeah like a it's just portable like like a like an email list would be but in an right. email list well i guess with an email list you could have like reply all kind of functionality and and that sort of thing like old school days but now it's like if you have a virtual community you're not meeting in person then what how do you how do you manage it? Where do you put it? You know, and it feels like a really really good application of um, maybe a DAO or some combination of of I don't know. Like I don't know. I'm just sort of I'm just sort of like floundering. But <laughs> okay. it feels it feels like there's something there. So if if you know if I'm on the on a mission to rid the world of hourly billing, and I'm not going to live forever, then and, and it's going to take a long time. On the label, a DAO really sounds like the kind of thing that you could, you know, set up like a foundation, but without all of the BS. Sure. And and have it have governance tokens, and people would be able to, you know, be a little bit more democratic or whatever, instead of it just being. I don't know. It would feel potentially more alive, but I've I've never joined a DAO. I've I barely looked into it. 
but um, but yeah, it, it feels like that's what it's for. I think that's a fair assessment because um, if anybody listening has followed Jonathan, uh, you you're kind of a, an outlier in terms of your your social outreach. Your for your business, you have an email list similar to what I do with the Coin Press. Um, where you write to a list of people and you keep that email list backed up. So you mm-hmm. use a service to send out your emails, right. but you own the list. So even if that service dies, it's not like you're losing your whole Twitter following or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Just the email. Yeah. Just email from somewhere else. Exactly. So, um, so that's when, when you talk about portability of your social network, I think that's a good point. Um, I think that the key difference between that approach and doing something on chain uh, is that it's now decentralized. So if you have uh, your email list, nobody else on the list has everybody's emails. That would be a violation of your your list's privacy to share that with everybody. Sure. Um, But if you had something like that on the blockchain, you could design it in such a way that it was more of a a community that maybe is centered around you, but where people can talk to each other inside of the community and, and right. that sort of thing. So there's opportunities there for creators with a community to have both a portable list and build something bigger than themselves. Yeah. Uh, is is there where would that community where do you think that communication would happen and how do you think having let's just say nfts for now maybe it's not even a DAO, but let's just say anybody who's got this ticket yeah gets to come in and they can sell the ticket to somebody else and then they can't come in anymore and the new person can sure that's pretty interesting to me because it uh that's very interesting to me that yeah. particular piece but then but still you need a place for the conversation to happen virtually right is yeah. that is that um, how does certainly decentralization plays into this, but how does, how would blockchain play into that or not? It doesn't need to, right? right? I feel like blockchain, I think we talked about this last time, blockchain could be kind of like the profile or the identity of the, the members. Right. And then some sort of, uh, you know, not to play buzzword bingo, but you know, some sort of web three style, online community that where you you know it checks your wallet and it's like do you have this nft and if you do you can get in right so So does that does that web3 application exist already or is that something that would need to be created or or would you bolt it onto something like a mailing list or slack or something so uh the running joke with DAOs is kind of you know you started a DAO, well really you just started a discord server (laughs) (laughs) right uh, um, so if you're a part of any DAO, it's just, you know, some chat where you get access to the messages. Uh, now some of them are like membership only where you can prove you own an NFT and now you get access to the channels and in the discord. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a member of one such called developer DAO and, uh, it's so it's useful because, you know, you get the NFT. Now you can prove you're part of the community and now you get access um, but it's still, you know, it's on some centralized chat service. And so mm-hmm. unless I, I, I know there are 
applications being built that are a little bit more Web3 native and not just, you know, a Discord server. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a problem that's been generally solved. So I think there's still a lot of opportunity for tooling for DAOs and mm-hmm. improving the um, decentralized chat and uh, you know asynchronous communication like email and that sort of yeah. thing. So, so quick, just a technical question. In yeah. the, the developer DAO that you're in, how do you, is there a, is there a, a mechanism to prove that you have the NFT? Like, how do you prove it? Yeah, um, I forget what the tool is that they've integrated, but it is basically when you join the Discord, you come in and you don't have like a role that gives you access to everything, um, mm-hmm. but you click a link and then uh, it has you connect your wallet and verify that you own the NFT, and then it gives you a role that gives you access. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, the, so the really it's two, it's a couple of, there's like sort of, a few moving parts to this that um, it would need to be in place. Like the NFT and the, and the profile, the identity of the person who owns it, that makes a lot of sense for, for to me to be on uh, a blockchain. That makes sense. I don't know how much I care about the community itself, like the, the software that the conversations are taking place in. I don't think that makes sense to be on the blockchain, so to speak. It would be crazy expensive. Agreed. And and perhaps not and not public, not something you'd want to be public. So you probably put it in a database. Right. So uh, I think the when I talk about like Web three native, that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean on chain. Mm-hmm. It just means um, better integrated. Yeah. Agreed. Right? Agreed. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't put all of the, the chat messages on the chain. Right. Um, but you could do uh, like decentralized storage where every, you know, you have people in the community who run nodes with databases that are copies of the chat record or something mm-hmm. like that. Yep. Um, and it's still private and you use your actual like address from the blockchain as your identity. Um, so that way, any message that you send in this private community can be verified because it's signed by your on-chain identity. Okay, so that's... Oh, all right, uh, for a second, I thought that presented a problem because if you sold the NFT, it would go to the new person's wallet. So that would still... So that old chat record wouldn't get assigned to the new right. NFT holder. So that's good. I do. It never occurred to me to have the have some sort of mechanism for the chat to be uh, replicated. You know, so that everybody's got. Mm, that's really interesting. But I yeah. feel like I feel like that's a little bit more GitHub-y. Than sure. It could be done a little bit more Git based than. Ah, that's that's wild. <laughs> that's really cool because like sort of. <clears throat> Because when we talk about the the technology here, it's all uh-huh. about removing central points of failure. Right? Yes. So even if a key member of the community, somebody who founded it, decides to leave, we're not dependent on their database. It, it right. On them, and it continues to live on. Yes, I've been in situations before where I started something that kind of got it took on a life of its own, mm-hmm. um, and that would be that's the thing that I want. Yeah. That's the thing I want to have happen. Yeah. So 
for for this particular mission to take on a life of its own. And and when you get to a certain age, perhaps, uh, or you've been ar- around the rodeo a few times, it becomes, and you're thinking on a long enough time scale, it becomes increasingly difficult to imagine how to keep any of that stuff going right. without um, sort of old school, you know, like legal partnerships and like getting lawyers involved and like distributing logins under certain circumstances. And, you know, it's really hard. Like, even if you think about, even if I think about my stupid website, which is just a lamp server Mm -hmm. with text files on it, there's no database. It's just files on a server. If I want that to be there in a hundred years, how, like how there's no, there's no obvious way. I think there's even some services that that might help with this, but but there's no obvious way. It could be as simple as whatever server gets automatically upgraded and something doesn't work anymore, or the bill, you know, my nobody, my wife doesn't know, or my whatever surviving family members don't know how to pay the bill, or that they should pay the bill, or they don't know how to log into it, so it just becomes static. It's it's uh, it's really hard to like if if you want to leave something behind that's going to be there in a hundred years, I mean, stone is still a pretty good <laughs> <it's> like <laughs> state of the art technology. Yeah. So if you wanted to have a, never mind a static website live for a hundred years, a community that, that has sort of governance structure in place mm-hmm. that can just continue to do its thing. It's, this is the only thing I've ever heard of that would even promise to do such a thing. Right. which is why I'm interested in, but you can tell from, from, I have not looked into it at all. I'm not a member right. of one. It's very, very feels very hazy and smoky and, you know, smoke and mirrorsy. Like, I'm like, wait a second. You know, like you said, it's like, wait, isn't this just a discord, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with a, with an entrance fee. Right. Yeah. I, I agree completely. It is um, like at this point in the game, when we're talking about DAOs and, um, and that sort of thing, it feels like it's just a Discord server. But the the promise of a DAO, which mm-hmm. just to clarify, talking about decentralized autonomous organizations, mm-hmm. um, is that it is it's owned by the community, decentralized. It's autonomous, where the code that's running on you know whatever protocol you use to define the DAO uh, continues on even without human governance and human, um, you know, maintenance and control. Right. But it still allows humans to organize together and, and interact with each other in a way that doesn't require a CEO or middle management. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the, in the, the NFT nature of it, the NFT piece, mm-hmm. uh, one of the features I think of all crypto that you could say you could call it a bug or a feature. Yeah. But in this scenario, I think it's a feature is that it automatically turns the owner into a marketer. Yeah. Which is brilliant. In in some cases, it also is where the Ponzi scheme reputation comes from, I, I right. suppose. But if there's a if if you're on a mission to do this thing, uh you want the the audience is they're not even the audience anymore they're what, what would you even call them they're like members or participants or uh whatever you know they're they're active participants 
right. you want them to have a, it's, it would be nice to have a financial incentive to motivate them to spread the word. Right. Yeah. It's like automatically built in. There are many other incentives. There are lots of other incentives besides financial, but it sure is nice to have a financial incentive for sure on top of all the other ones. Yeah. I mean, you look at any app with a network effect and there's going to be a, a referral program or affiliate links or something like that where you want your top creators and promoters to be financially incentivized to, to help the network grow. Um, but with blockchain, that's kind of the default, which you're right. It gives it kind of this Ponzi scheme uh, reputation because you see people out there. Yeah. I own some token and, uh, me promoting this leaves kind of a bad taste in people's mouth because, you know, just because I'm talking about it must mean that I am just trying to, you know, make a bunch of money and get out of it. But yeah. Yeah. Right. But there's for most of them, maybe I haven't looked into it deeply enough, but I don't really look into the really the tiny little spammy ones. I pretty much only pay attention to a few, a handful. And uh, like with Bitcoin, for example, Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty fair. I think the I think the digital gold metaphor is pretty fair. Sure. It's like pretty apt. You're like you know what you, you're not you're you're there for like you need a place to put money long term for a variety of reasons. And and that's what it's good at. It seems like it's good at that. Uh, Ethereum to me is like it's more like um it's more like decentralized AWS with a business model baked into it. Uh, in my mind. And then obviously, you know, the coin us is, you know, you, obviously you're a fan <laughs> uh, for, for good reasons. So the, the, the difference I think between like, you know, freaking puppy coin two is going to the moon. Yeah. Like tweets about that is there's no mission other than let's all get rich. Right. Which is a lame ass mission. So if you, if, but if you have, a a um a common good that it supports then i feel like it takes away the ponzi scheme thing because it's not really about it's not really about getting rich it's not about getting rich at all right but it is nice to have that kind of like you said affiliate program it's almost like a baked in affiliate program where it's not the main message it's not just like oh you know let's go to the moon it's it's like let's make this make the world a better place right and and along the way, it creates could potentially create va- direct value for the members and participants on top of the social good. Right. So I feel like it takes away. I feel like that's why it's a feature in this particular case, and it wouldn't be a bug where everyone's yeah. just like, Ugh, "You just don't want to get caught holding the bag." Right. So yeah, I mean, when you talk about the the mission, that's a great segue to where we're going here. Um, like the reason I'm interested in in Coinos is because the mission is accelerating decentralization through accessibility. Mm-hmm. By accessibility, I mean making it dead simple for anybody anywhere to use and benefit from. Mm-hmm. Yes, blockchain, but more broadly, decentralization. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we wanted to talk today about, you know, what is decentralization? And yeah, its pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Um, Can we I, start? I, yeah, go ahead. Uh, we both I, we've used both of these terms so far, and sometimes I think I conflate them, and maybe other people do too. Sure. 
What's the difference between decentralized and distributed? Great question. Um, so decentralized, uh, so when we talk about distributed, it's more like you kind of have to use the word distributed to define decentralized. Right. Um, like it has to be distributed. Right. So, so distributed is like, you know, I have a hundred dollars and I distribute $1 to each person. Or, um, if I have a network of computers that are sharing, uh, the load of some process, they distribute the load across those different computers. Mm -hmm. Um, decentralized isn't about like, I mean, part of it's distributing workload, but it's really, it's distributing the functions and the power or control of, you know, <laughs> whatever it is you're decentralizing mm -hmm. across multiple members. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not necessarily like you take half the work, I'll take half the work. It's more, uh, let's just make sure that the work gets done and everybody involved uh, shares in the power and control of that and, and the benefits thereof. Mm -hmm. um, so if that means that there's a little bit of rework, duplication of work, that's okay in, in search of um, you know, the, the individual freedom and control of your own world uh, versus where you know if you have centralized and distributed work um mm. that's more like you know i'm the manager i'm distributing the work among people uh and it all gets done but ultimately it comes back to me mm. so i think i took some notes before we when we first uh set this call up and i don't know if i looked this up or if you wrote it or if i wrote it but <laughs> one of the things i wrote down was uh that that it was a question. Can we agree that the essence of decentralization is that decision-making power is transferred from a small set of individuals or an individual to a larger set of individuals? Is that I would, I would agree with that. Um, okay. It, because it's all about like personal freedom, right? Mm -hmm. If you, if you're part of a decentralized network, you have mm -hmm. as much power as anybody else. Now, we're talking about blockchain and token distribution and that sort of thing. You might not have as much power as somebody else, but you have the, the possibility of gaining as much power as anybody else given the right inputs and that sort of mm. thing. That, that was actually, that sounds kind of advanced because in general, I don't, you probably are exposed to things that are more complicated than I've been exposed to. Sure. Um, from, from the, the standpoint of my so with that in mind i want to tell i want to say something and then you can react to it so right now <clears throat> my mailing list is 100 percent centralized mm -hmm. meaning that no one else can post to it only i can post to it only i know who's on it um it's completely centralized and then i send out these messages which i guess are just literally and figuratively distributed because now they're on other people's machines right um, and they could theoretically forward that. Okay. But that's a different rabbit hole. All right. So, so the idea of forming like, a, you know, a Ditcherville Dow mm -hmm. is the, the central theme of that is to, in my mind, the central feature or bug of that is that I would lose control over it. Sure. So it's, so when you're, when you see it, when you're, when you are 
the hub in the wheel, it's a loss of control. Yeah. If you are um, at the edge, you know you're you're at the on the tire, yeah. then you gain more control than you had before. But it feels like, but it feels more like, I, and this gets back to your point. Initially, in my mind, it was like it would be all all of the control I had would be, you know, if I have fifteen thousand people on my mailing list, it would be like that control is like split into fifteen thousand pieces, and everybody would have an equal amount, right, including me. Mm-hmm. So, it, for me, it's a loss of control. For the for everybody else, it's a a slight net gain in control. But what you said sort of sound, it felt like a little hierarchical. So what is that? What you were getting at? Like I see where you're going. So there's a there's a reason that blockchain and decentralization is really it, it's the stuff of anarchists and libertarians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where uh, it's all about that you're you're taking away from control or or giving away control to the masses however you want to define that um so when i talk when i say that it's you know you you mentioned hierarchical Mm. there's levels of control like just because you use a blockchain doesn't mean that you necessarily have voting rights um and so the reason for this with blockchain is that it's really hard to say one person, one vote. Because you have to figure out who people are. <laughs> it's one wallet, one vote. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's, maybe it's one wallet, one vote. Maybe it's one token, one vote. Maybe uh-huh. it's one you know, computing hash power, one vote. Uh-huh. Whatever metric you want to use. But the result is that control over the network is decentralized to... Uh, whatever metric you want to use. So it's kind of, it's more like it's decentralized, but it is concentrated where a a fairly small percentage of the network probably controls the majority of the network. Mm. So. Right. So now are we talking now we're talking, it sounds like you're talking about sort of like a mining situation not necessarily a DAO situation or are they right. in your basically the same thing? So they're, I know they're not the same thing, but kind right. of the same functions features. They're all kind of flavors of the same problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're talking about DAOs or blockchain networks themselves, um, it's still like the mission is still to decentralize the power over that network. Right. Um, blockchains need miners or you know, token burners or token stakers or whatever consensus algorithm you're using. Right. Uh, you need people to secure the network through participating in that mechanism. Mm-hmm. So the power is distributed typically mm-hmm. to whoever uh, contributes the most to that mechanism. Um, with DAOs, it's a little bit more personal and a little bit more uh, loose, fluid, human, um, because it's not just computers on a network running code, right? Mm-hmm. It's right. people participating together. 
And so you might use an NFT for access to the community, mm -hmm. um, but you might decide to do votes in a different way. Like you could have it be less automated and, you know, have it be based on how much other people in the network value you. <laughs> like if you want to put a number to that, right? Like if you come in and you contribute and you write an article and you design something and you do mm -hmm. this and that, whatever. Um, <clears throat> you could earn some sort of coin yep. that, that is used for voting. Right. And, and then you could turn around and sell that coin. And if you don't want the voting power, um, or you could maybe delegate that voting power to somebody else who you trust their vote mm -hmm. um, or something like that. But mm. it, it's, it's very much a meritocracy, right? Whatever you put in you, you know, it compounds because you you're getting more, um, more voting power, I guess you could say for, mm -hmm. for your input. Okay. So let's, I, I keep, it keeps cropping up in the back of my mind, like something like Linux or other open source projects. Um, how, how decentralized would you say, you know, and pick a different one if you're more familiar with it, but how decentralized is Linux? So that's, is it decentralized or is it distributed or is it both? I mean, it has to be both if it's decentralized, but yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think with, with any open source software, um, you get, you, you get basically decentralization, but only at the point when it, when it takes off. Right. Um, because when you, like I created open source packages where I just put it up on GitHub and publish it, if nobody uses it, it's centralized, right? Yeah, <laughs> like right. I have, it's open, but centralized. Exactly. Now, anybody could come in and fork it, create a, create their own copy and do whatever they want with it. It's licensed mm -hmm. so that that's a feature. Mm -hmm. um, but when you do that, you create competition between packages, basically. Right. And you can, like, contribute from one to the other and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, like, what you've created is software that anybody can contribute to but since it's hosted on my github i have final say right now mm -hmm. i can create a community and you know we can elect moderators who take on the role of approving pull requests and changes and contributions back to the main package mm -hmm. uh, but that's something that I have to do intentionally and manually. It's not built into Git. Like by default, it's just me, my organization, my control over the main package. Um, and the only way to really decentralize that by default is people mm -hmm. forking and creating copies and doing their own thing. Right. So how is it, what is the, I want to focus on the voting thing. So yeah. currently in your experience, how does that actually work? Like how would you validate an election? Right. In a DAO situation. Yeah. So um, I'm actually going to have a, uh, a guest on here in a couple of weeks uh, from something called governor DAO, which is brand new. I'm not invested in their token or anything, but I think it's really mm -hmm. interesting what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, 
where they have a, a proof of existence is what they call it, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, which is basically just like, uh, you know, take a picture of yourself, say some words into the computer yeah. and it verify like, that you're like a real human. Yeah. And verified human. on Reddit. Right. Or like, right. like know your customer. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So yes, it's like KYC, know your customer. Um, but without storing the results of that in a centralized database, uh, you're, you're just proving that you exist using zero knowledge proofs and a lot of technical stuff. Um, so that's, maybe useful <laughs> I, I don't know like time will tell yeah. but something like that when, when you talk about like an election you know voting let's say u.s government if the government was replaced with a dow you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably never gonna happen uh but if it were how would you give a vote to everybody in the american populace right in a way that's fair, right? You can't mm-hmm. just concentrate the votes to the people with the most U.S. dollars. Right, stake, right. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's a tough problem. Well, let's say, yes, but let's say, let's say that, uh, the, that the part of the, we'll just gloss over the part of the problem where we say, how do we know who gets to vote how hard? Sure. Let's say we know that. We've got that figured out. Okay. Like, then how do you go to the polls? How do you register your vote? How are they tabulated? Like, is this all too early to, to say there's a way to do it and you just kind of do it manually or like, like a normal software developer would with a spreadsheet or something. I mean, or is there some on chain way? I guess, I guess the votes would be on a blockchain, right? Like, like, and they would be, they would be, they would have, let's just say everybody had an equal vote and we knew how to know who everybody was. In other words, like for whatever reason, you are entitled to one vote on this particular issue. Right. And then those votes, they would surely have to go on a public ledger. That'd be almost crazy not to, right? Right. So and then means- you could just see, okay, the the group, the majority of the group, or whatever, whatever supermajority, whatever the rule was for the constitution of the DAO, whatever the rule was, you know, issue seven past right right and then and then what like who enforces that like what if issue seven is we're not going to use slack threads anymore right (laughs) yeah right and people keep doing it sure so that's where so that's that's a great question um the idea of you know assuming we solve those hard problems and we get to a point where we have you know a, a good state for running true elections and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it then be, it becomes a question of what is what's under the purview of blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. When you talk about a DAO, code is law. So yep. typically, what you're voting on is just like an update to the software that runs the DAO. Mm-hmm. Uh, a change in some economic rule or redistribution of some token or changing the rules on how you can claim tokens or whatever. That's mm-hmm. one thing. Um, now those economic and code changes have impacts on 
what people will do, not what they can do. It's really hard with blockchain. So it's, it's more a case of creating incentives that will reward people for doing what was approved. Correct. Yes. Okay, that's fair. It's messy, it, but it's fair. It's messy, but it's fair. It's it's definitely like personal freedom runs deep here. <laughs> it's hard to take that away. Right. Okay. So so let me so you just in describing that, you mentioned that something they might be voting, you know, code is law. <clears throat> so if you can't code it, there's no law for it. Is that another way to put that? Yeah. All right. So so just a point on that. There, there's a concept of oracles on blockchain, which is basically... Yeah, I've seen that term, but I don't know what it means. It's a, it's a, I don't like the term personally. <laughs> basically, it's anytime the blockchain interacts with the real world. Like mm -hmm. if I need to get data about financial markets or about, you know, the exchange rate of the U.S. dollar mm -hmm. or weather in India, that's using an oracle to get the data in a decentralized way to the blockchain and hmm. that's hard because unless you're getting down to anybody in india can set up their own weather node and contribute hmm. that to the blockchain and the blockchain proves consensus on what is the true weather in oh god era. oh so decentralized <laughs> apis right yeah so it's turtles all the way down okay yeah, so sure. all right so <laughs> Okay, so let's. We're gonna need a lot of computers. <laughs> okay, the energy thing. Okay, so uh, let me let me redirect that a little bit. So the let's say we're voting on um, developer DAO is going to change the voting rights. Like at the end of the day, a DAO is just a complicated smart contract. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I thought you couldn't change a smart contract. So how does the how does that happen? How do you amend it? Great question. Um, so that depends on the network. Uh, on Ethereum, yes, you're right. Uh, mm -hmm. When you deploy a smart contract, it gets a new address, and it cannot be changed. It's immutable. Um, on other blockchains like Coinos, they are by default mutable, and you you own the private key of that address and you can upload a new version of it. Um, now, when you open that can of worms, you need a like an authorization system that says who has privilege to update this, under what circumstances, et cetera. And you can make it like just change that to return false. And now you've said, all right, this is an immutable contract. Mm -hmm. um, so... When, so, when yeah, yeah go, go ahead. ahead. Well, how, how does that play out though? Because now we're getting back into like regular database territory. So, so like if I amend a smart contract at an address in place on Coinos, is that how you say Coinos? Coinos, Coinos. Coinos. <laughs> then is there like an audit trail of that? Like, is there track changes turned on? Like, like <laughs> what would stop? Any, you know, code is law unless I have the private key and then I can just do whatever I want. Right. So, so that's, that's a great point because, um, you can use that authorized mechanism 
to put like upgrades under something like a DAO. Mm-hmm. So it's there, you don't, just because you have the private key doesn't mean you have the privilege to upload to the contract. Uh, you make it so anybody holding token X has to vote on any potential upgrades. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like, the, the possibilities are endless, but anything you can kind of dream up as a system for determining who has say or who gets to vote on whether an upgrade is adopted, mm-hmm. you could build that. Um, now, on Ethereum or other chains with, with uh, immutable contracts, all of that is handled off-chain. Like, I just deployed V3 at a totally new address, and it's up to people to decide whether they want to use it or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, like, does does the party go to the next house down? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Which is hard. Yeah. So, like, moving moving the party without ruining the party right. is really hard. Yeah. So, you want to upgrade it in place, especially if it's a dumb mistake. Right. Well, let's say it's not a dumb mistake and the whole community is like, you know what, we're not going to be, the new rule is we're not going to use threads in, in crypto Slack, which is literally connected to this blockchain and we'll turn off the threads feature, Yep, which would be cool. <laughs> sure. um, so it's kind of like, it's kind of like having uh oh yeah. I mean, metaphorically, I guess you could imagine connecting some decentralized slack clone that the community uses yep. to like a massive preferences panel sure that says you know what we're we're going to turn off at everyone messages across the whole application it would literally happen like it would it would check the box or untick the box right and and so the way you would do that probably would be to have an nft with editable attributes that defines that community and so the the Slack front end would mm-hmm. just sync with whatever data is in that NFT. And when you put it to a vote to change the data that's on the blockchain, um, the everybody's front end would just automatically get the latest data from the blockchain and start using yeah. the preferences. That's pretty rad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've I've had I've had. Uh, I wouldn't say debates, but like conversations with people in a Slack room with, you know, 500 people or something. And it's like, some people are like, you should never use channel messages. And other people are like, well, they should, you should, you know, at channel notifications. And well, some people are like, well, but I only, but if I don't, if you don't send me that notification, I'm going to miss the meeting. So I kind of want it. And then it's like, all right, me as the owner, I don't care. I just want everyone to be happy. And you know whatever that means. So if it comes to a vote, and the people vote, and the and the preferences of the chat room are stored on the blockchain somewhere, whether it's an NFT or I don't even know. Yeah. And then when the when the interface spins up, it's like okay, what what are the preferences for this room? And it just it's that way. They're like oh well, I I lost. You know what I mean? Because the thing that the thing that stumps me with all of this stuff is there are no, where are the police? There are no police. There's no enforcement. Yeah. So moderation, police enforcers, all of that is just the community itself. So by participating, you can say, Hey, I'm going to take on this responsibility or, Hey, I'm going to add this value to the network. 
And hopefully there's systems in place to reward people for doing things that are valuable. So if you want to be the police and act in a way that is beneficial to the community and people like that, you could be mm. rewarded for that. Uh, I guess I'm thinking more about the sore losers than the, sure. yeah, I, and I totally get what you're saying. Like there's, but the financial incentive to me in, it would be a secondary at best mm -hmm. feature. So yep. if someone really, you know, preferred tabs over spaces, let's say, we all agreed, we voted, we were going to do spaces, not tabs, and you're still using tabs, and <laughs> and someone's just like, this is the hill I'm going to die on, right? or I'm still going to use threads, this is the hill I'm going to die on, or I'm still going to use at channel. Like, how how would you imagine someone implementing a the reverse? Like, they, you know, the obvious thing would be they would lose money right. somehow, but how would you, it just seems like improbably difficult to code for that. So what, what would be the, first of all, I guess the first question is, do you imagine that, that, that code is law will eventually solve most of these problems or at least the, the a broad uh, number of them in a particular domain, like a chat room, like a group, a group community type of thing? Or do you think I'm thinking about it in completely the wrong way? And what really will happen is that there will be human mechanisms like flaming and shame and, and doxing or whatever yeah. that, that will people, the winners of the vote will feel just justified in deploying against the bad actors. Yeah, that's a great question. So it's, um, if you're familiar with history, like, Representative democracy in the United States was designed to avoid the tyranny of the majority, mm -hmm. right? So <laughs> with... Like the Larry David ad, everyone vote, even the dumb people? <laughs> the Super Bowl ad. Great commercial. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, so, so with blockchain, it's not. Like tyranny of the majority is kind of the default, right? If you're in the majority of a group, you have control. Congratulations. You can yeah. make whatever rules you want. Um, so this is where you have to make a distinction because if you're thinking about blockchain and DAOs and all of that as like companies or mm -hmm. organizations more traditionally with hierarchical whatever, you're, you're, you're using the wrong mental model. Yeah, I, that's how I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's more like everything is its own country. And when you're talking about country scale, things like managers don't make sense. You need statistical. I get it. It's cultural. I get it. Cultural. Yes. Mm -hmm. And to that end, when you have code is law and somebody wins by a 51% majority, the 49% can go start their own country. Or they could just annoy the 51 yeah. So, because you can't, I mean, if you, if you use the country metaphor in the United States, we're pretty much there yeah. and it's like, well, we're not going to, not my president or whatever. Right. And uh, the, the thing that the, th <laughs> I guess the thing that is my sneaking suspicion, that's what I'm looking for. My sneaking suspicion is that Dow's might be reinventing the wheel because at the end of the day, Maybe I'm wrong, but at the end of the day, it might end up that enforcement is still a thing. <laughs> it, it, 
I feel like enforcement needs to go away. It needs to be, it needs to be handled. The enforcement of the new rule needs to be incontrovertible. Like it needs to be, it can't be dependent or I'd prefer if it wasn't dependent on free will of compliance. Yeah. You know, I'd prefer if it was like, I don't, I don't feel the need to determine how the slack room runs. Mm-hmm. I do not, I would happily give up that control. Right. The, the thing I don't want to become, I wouldn't want to be in the business of because this would destroy the, I feel like it would, almost certainly destroy the longevity of the community. If that's, if the goal is to propagate a mission a uh, hundred years into the future yep, and it always needs a moderator to boot people, right. that's not going to, I don't see how that works. I don't see how that's better. Yeah. I could do that now. Right. Right. So this is, this is where the economic incentives and disincentives comes in. Okay. If you go start your own country, you're talking about a new token, mm-hmm. right? And then, doesn't carry the clout of the old one. So it doesn't have the value in people's minds. Now you, you can, you know, if you carry the right people from the old network over to your new network and you, you create as much value and the market responds in a way that appreciates you, then sure, you can have a country that's just as valuable or more valuable than the one where the previous majority lives. Mm. Um, but if you, if you like the benefits of that original community and you like the design and the people that are there and you know, the people who are doing the coding and all that, you don't want to start from maybe not scratch, but you know, 49%, Mm. (laughs) uh, then you're the incentives are set up such that participating under the rule of law allows you to keep the tokens that you've accumulated, help contribute to their value and accumulate more tokens. And so doing things that are in line with uh, the will of the network mm-hmm. feeds your wallet, right? But how? Like, how does it, how do it know? <laughs> like, it sounds like a massive, again, I'm thinking on a 100-year yeah. timeline. Yeah. There's no way to pre-code all that. Like to, to pre-code the preferences panel for crypto slack, right? So like like there are going to be things where people are like, oh, um, you know, original creator didn't think of this. The founding right. fathers didn't think of this. So what mechanism what mechanism comes to play? There, there's no I, it's really hard to imagine. Um, yeah. I want it to I, on the one hand, the promise of a DAO is kind of like a complicated vending machine. Yep. Where if you put something in, you're going to get something out. And there's you don't negotiate with a Coke machine. Right. It's like you put in your dollar or whatever it is these days, and you get a Coke. Mm-hmm. There's no like... <laughs> There's no debate. There's no like stealing it, really. There's there's no getting two cokes, really. Uh, there's no putting in fifty cents and getting a coke. You don't really, you know, short of a sledgehammer, you don't really have. Well, and maybe that's the point. You could get all the coke for free if sure. you wanted to break a bunch of norms. Yeah. So, so yeah. This is the importance of upgradability when you're talking mm-hmm. about 
surviving for a hundred years and, and adapting. We don't know what the preferences of humanity are going to be in a hundred years. Yeah, exactly. So can't assume that we know what DAOs should look like at that right. time. Right. So you have to design systems that are flexible and can be changed. I mean, to use the, the real world analogy, when the constitution was written yeah, exactly. in the United yeah. States, the, you know, the idea of amendments and all of that probably wasn't thought of at that moment, but it's easily addable, right? Because it's just a piece of paper and people agreeing to terms. And so you add more terms mm-hmm. and you didn't need to specifically define that because it's the real world. Mm-hmm. With code, you have to design the systems to say, we expect things to change, but this is the starting point. Yeah, and it's and it's this reminds me of the sort of um, protocols, not uh, platforms, right? Angle where it's like here's here's the here are the principles under which we should operate. It's but it does it still boils down to there there I feel like the financial incentives probably need to go in both directions. So sure. I feel like it's re- reasonably. You know, certain types of good behavior are rewarded. I feel like there does need to be a stick, though. I feel like there needs to be a certain, certain. You know, driving thirty-five in a school zone is going to get you a speeding ticket. Right. <laughs> so there needs to be a fine, and I don't right. know. For some reason, it seems harder to me to to um, yeah so- enforce because it's not just code as law. I don't want it to be code as law. I want it to be code is the entire judicial system because law is just one piece, which I think is how it's meant. I think that's how that that thing is meant. Yeah. But it should be like code is it's over. Like (laughs) code is like you violate the rules and instantly lose the $35. Right. So, so that's, um, this is going to be my last point. We're almost out of time here. Oh, sorry. That's okay. (laughs) So when we talk about, like what you're describing is, is called slashing conditions. Mm. And so um, consensus is the idea of keeping the network in sync and everybody agreeing to the state of the network and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, proof of work is the one everybody's familiar with, huge energy concerns, and you solve stupid math problems on your computer for, for Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Proof of stake is what Ethereum is headed toward. Um, and so basically you say, look at how much money I have, I'm going to put it at risk. And as long as I participate in the network appropriately, I'll make more money. But if I do something wrong, you can take away some of my money. Mm-hmm. That's a slashing condition. But um, how is that implemented? Very difficultly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Knowing what to catch is hard. Yeah, so, okay. yeah. I, I, yes, you don't need to go deeper into it. As long as you said it's very difficult, then okay, because it does yeah. sound very difficult. I mean, the, the alternative is what Coinos is trying to do, which is proof of burn, where basically instead of putting up your money at risk, you just spend it and you say, I'm going to pay to play. And then if I do good things, pay me. And if I don't do good things, don't pay me. So it's, uh, instead of having to slash you just say you slash yourself up front and participate well and we'll pay you for it yeah so the 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 issue there not i know we got to go but the issue there for me is that the central premise of the community wouldn't 
be is more idealistic and has very little to do with money. The money is a side effect that certain people are not going to care about. Yeah. So it doesn't provide an, I feel like it doesn't provide enough motivation since money is not the primary motivation. I feel like it wouldn't be enough to keep the culture moving in the right direction. Yeah. On the other hand, you said something earlier that, that opened that turned on a light bulb for me. Maybe a fork's not such a bad thing. Sure. In my model, because in my model, a fork is just another bunch of people who basically believe the same big picture thing, but they want to run it in a different way. So like, like uh, think of it more like cities and towns, like in Rhode Island, there's like some towns are dry or some towns, you know, whatever, they've got different rules, but they're still underneath the umbrella of the overall big picture American dream or whatever. Right. So maybe a fork's not such a bad thing. I agree. Whatever you want to call it. I think what you don't want is for the fork to be the default behavior where when we're talking about immutability Mm -hmm. and you have to move the party Mm -hmm. now it's, that's the default 49% decides to adopt the new. So you have a fork, Mm -hmm. right? When you have upgradeability and everything's managed within the system, the default is everybody adopts the new and follows the majority um, or, or stays with the old and follows the majority, but it's all, you know, the, everybody stays together by default mm-hmm. and a fork has to be decided explicitly. Mm-hmm. I think that's okay. A- well, what's the, I mean, just because critical mass, um, like Drupal Joomla, like who cares? Like, right. You know, like, okay, just pick the one you like better yeah. or, um, you know, like, so, if if you're worried about the overall value of the coin, yeah, a fork's probably bad. Sure. But if you're worried about the mission and you don't care that much or as nearly as much about the coin, then maybe you don't care. Maybe you care more about no one using at channel messages in crypto Slack than right. than how much your NFT is worth. And you're like, let's just, hey, 49%. I'll put in the effort and make it out, you know, we'll do whatever, you know, ditch yeah. your town instead of ditch Ville, And we'll sit over here and we'll, we'll do our same, you know, we all believe the same thing. Like right. we just don't want to operate on a daily basis or in these particular ways. So we'll just move. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think in a lot of situations that is a bad thing. That would be a bad thing. But in this particular situation, I'm not so sure it would be. Anyway, yeah. I, I mean, it's a fair question. Only time will tell. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think the the important thing to remember with forks is that mm-hmm. it comes to cost. And when we're talking about like the value of the token, that should be just representative of the value of the mission and the community behind it. Um, now, granted, you get speculators and people pumping the price and all kinds of weird market manipulation that doesn't pan out exactly. Mm-hmm. But in an ideal world where the scale of these things is much larger and more representative of humanity, um, it's a lot harder for one person, regardless of how much token they have, to influence the market in that way. So that's when you get a token that's 
representative of the value of of the thing, like the dollar. It's representative of the value of America <laughs> to some extent, right? Yeah. Uh, it's hard to change the value of the dollar as an individual. So. Hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, the whole thing is just super fascinating. I, I, I continue to keep my eye on it. Probably the next step for me is to like actually get in one and see what the mechanics are. Yeah. But um, I think yeah. you'll find that at this stage of the game, uh, it's still new. <laughs> and so your your ideals and where you see things going, um, you'll see more opportunities than solutions. Right, I'm sure. Yeah, it feels like it feels like there is an opportunity for some kind of like open source, uh, you know, like a like a diaspora mm -hmm. social media. That was a social media thing, but like an open source version of Circle or something that that supports or Slack or Discord that that just right. natively supports wallets. For sure. So you could just check the wallet, look for this. If it's there, they're in. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, and if anybody listening to this knows of a tool that does that <laughs> today, let me know. I'd love to. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, cool. cool. Always fun. Great discussion. Uh, really appreciate your time, Jonathan. Um, we are out of time, but for for listeners, where can people find you? Yeah, best place to go is jonathanstark.com. Great. All right, I'll put a link to that down in the description. So that's all the time we have. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Join me next week for the CoinPress podcast. Bye for now.